Cytoplasm Advent Calendar Day 12, Thief the Dark Project, or Thief Gold, depending on which version you've got. Yeah, I'm not particularly sentimental about video games in the same way that I am about role-playing games and music, but there is one title that's my favourite of all time. And there is a problem with, like, sort of looking back at uh, video games, much like looking back at music, because I'm going to focus on a particular point in time. Um, so anything that's come after that is measured against that yardstick. And the, the point in time I'm thinking about is the, uh, the very late 90s, where I got my first the first PC I owned. And um, Thief the Dark Project was a game that I played. Others included uh, The Nomad Soul, which I loved. Um, it's David Bowie, although it's a, it's a slightly flawed game, but it's got an incredible world to explore. Um, and a few others, I think. Um, oh, there was um, Shogo Mo Mobile Armored Division, all of those that they were came around at a particular time, and I don't think I've ever really got past that. And yes, I really love playing Dishonored later on, and I've played um, Dark Messiah Might of Magic, I've played plenty of Half-Life, Half-Life 2, all of those, um, and uh, even some games that aren't first-person shooters. And that, by the way, tends to be my preference today, because suddenly I've acquired motion sickness uh, when I play first-person shooters. Anyway, Thief the Dark Project has three sequels. Uh, Thief 2 The Metal Age, uh, then Thief Deadly Shadows, and then the last one which is simply called Thief. And it's a good example of how to crush any kind of mythology or sense of space or sense of the original through successive iterations. Now the first two were produced by Looking Glass Studios and Thief 2 is really, it's kind of, it is a very good sequel. It ups the gameplay, it keeps the same quality of maps, it also has the same quality and humour in the voice acting. Um, and it furthers the mythology in a way that the later ones don't. Now, after that, Looking Glass Studios got disbanded, and I understand that some of the developers went to Ion Storm, and that's where Thief Deadly Shadows was made, and that has a totally different feel to it. I mean, it's it's still essentially the same thing. But there are two main differences, and, and in order to explain them, I've got to explain about how the original works. Now, I mentioned it yesterday in the discussion about cities, but basically all of the action takes place in the city. Unnamed city, it has obviously layers of history heaped upon it. There is no sense of what's outside, geographically speaking. Um, but there are external and internal forces. Now, external to the city, you have the what they call the pagans, and then internal to the city, you have the hammers, although they're very much a sort of extremist religious wing. Mostly, the hammers are. I'm not sure if it's right to say they're in decline. I mean, they represent the they represent buildings and structure and um, you know, human domination over the environment, and that's why they're diametrically opposed with the pagans who um, who uh, worship nature. But in the first couple of games, certainly in Thief the Dark Project, you find that um, the titular Dark Project is the project of the trickster, a sort of um, pan type character who uh, seeks to subvert the very foundations of the city by bringing nature back there. And um, in order to do so, he enlists Garrett's help. Now, Garrett is a master thief. He's the character who runs throughout the whole series. And um, piece by piece, as we go through the missions, you know, the missions are closed maps. 
where you have specific missions to do and then um, as Garrett moves through these and completes the tasks uh, and then um, we, we get more information about the mythology, we get the hints of the way that the world is working and the two factions at play and gradually that story emerges. Well, that word emerges again, emerges. Um, anyway, now the trickster occupies a sort of otherworldly realm. There is the suggestion that um, on Earth he has command over the land surrounding the city, which is you know, very much your sort of werewolf versus vampire dichotomy as well. But also he has access to a higher world, a sort of um, magical world, which is the source of elementals and elemental powers. And this actually ties into some of uh, Garrett's abilities, because Garrett, uh, Garrett's main tool is the bow, which can be used for a variety of arrows, and they're all elemental arrows, they're sort of fire arrows and water arrows for putting out torches and sleep arrows for knocking people out with one hit, um, all of those. Uh, he, Garrett does have a sword, and he also has a blackjack for knocking people out, but it's the it's the bow that's kind of the iconic thing about Garrett, I think. Um, so there's this way that Garrett's tools are tied in both to the sort of clockwork-ness of, the, the, of human devices like you know, he uses mines and uh, he uses mines and flash bombs and all sorts of things but he also uses these elemental arrows of the powers have been harnessed for use by him so it's kind of on the cusp of those two worlds but the reveal is gradual and there's a real sense of there is no limit to the powers of each faction or how far they go. You get a sense that in each case, the people you encounter are part of a much, much bigger organization that you couldn't hope to understand. Now, when it comes to Thief to the Metal Age, um, still very much the same tone, except now you've got um, a, except now you've got a factional split within the Hammers um, and the rise of Karist and the Mechanists. So there, there's a, an influx of new, powerful clockwork machines and devices, and these are turning up all over the city, and these are one of the other antagonists that you have to contend with. They also represent a philosophy, and that is nicely put forward throughout the whole course of the story. Um, other things that you find in those first couple of games are undead. And this is really where the level design and the atmospheric music... Um, really came into its own. I do remember Thief being originally praised for its novel use of, um, its for its three-dimensionality of its music and the way that, and the way that sounds became such an important part of the gameplay. And I don't think it's ever been bettered either. And it was also the first stealth game, you know, it has a, a focus on stealth and you have a light gem in the middle of your HUD and when it goes dark, you know, you're in shadow and when it's light, you know, you're lit up. And you have to plan where you move based on how much noise you're going to make going across certain surfaces. So metal clangs, carpet rustles, um, you know, flagstones clack. And then your guards go in a set pattern and you, you're going to want to wait a lot to get past them or to get behind them to hit them. And I remember spending long times just sort of waiting and trying to work out where the guard was going to go and whether I could sprint fast enough that I wasn't going to alert them so I could then take them out with one hit. Because this is the thing, if you hit them on the back of the head, then they're, they're unconscious immediately. But 
if you make any kind of noise and they become suddenly alerted, then you cannot do a one-hit kill on them. You then end up getting into a fight and you risk actually having to kill people, which is then a uh, also a, a problem with your end conditions, depending on what difficulty you're playing. In particular, one of the things I remembered were the uh, weirder sections where you encountered undead, which were the ghosts of old hammers from a haunted cathedral. And they were horrifying because they, they were just accompanied by the clanking chains of their mail. And they would whisper hoarsely to themselves. And you just sort of, and, and you knew they were really tough as well. They were even tougher and faster than regular guards. So it was really hard to take them out. And then the other ones I remember were elementals from one of the bonus levels in the Thief Gold version. Um, and and those and those were remarkable because you'd all you'd hear of them was sort of this crackling sound coming up behind you. And then you realised you turned around and suddenly there was an elemental right in front of you and it was shooting fire at you. So yeah, great stuff in those early ones. Great sense of um two massive factions at play, you're in the middle of it, you don't really have a handle on how big either of them are. And then Thief Deadly Shadows frankly ruined it, and it ruined it in two ways. One of them was it became a sort of an open world hub that you could use to go to different parts of the city, and this immediately meant the city no longer felt big, it felt really small. And the other thing is the various factions just became factions, and you could actually do missions and jobs for each of them, which kind of misses the point entirely about what they were and what they represented. They were no longer representing bigger things in life. They were just representing bodies of people with certain beliefs. Major disappointment. There were some interesting things that they did with the Keepers, which was the, the third faction that originally took Garrett in, who he later fled from. But, and, and that was kind of nice. That was with the, with the implication of the runes appearing and, and people in the Keeper, keeper Scriptorium suddenly um, falling prey to some malign power. That was all pretty cool. Um, and it paced the story really nicely. But it was a very pale shadow, pun intended, um, of the first two. And then we get on to the reboot, which didn't even use the original voice actor for Garrett. And I think the reason it didn't use the voice actor was because it they wanted to use a full body capture for the actor and um, the original voice actor was getting on a bit. So we used a new person. They kept the worst bits of Deadly Shadows, which was sort of the open world hub type thing. Um, but they also ditched some of the better things to do with the mythology and the factions. And, then it, and everything just then became grey and, and quite dull. And it does have some moments. I mean, it's it's okay, but um, it's such a letdown. Um, I think that uh, if you're ever inclined to pick these up and you've not done so, I'd recommend you play Thief and Thief 2 and then just stop because um, the rest of them don't really add to the experience, just take away. Um, by the way, though, the voice actor who originally voiced Garrett, very, very distinctive voice. Let's hang on. I'm just going to look up his name. Stephen Russell. That's his name. Uh, he ended up voicing Corotano in the sequel to Dishonored, and he was really good. Um, you know, he just did exactly the same thing as uh, as he was doing in Thief. Um, and actually, there are even some interesting callbacks from uh, Dishonored 2. 
if you go through Jindrosh's Clockwork Mansion and you go around the outside and you say, oh, it's a long way down, that line comes directly from a level called Down in the Bone Horde where you're sneaking around trying to avoid zombies, looting this absolutely enormous uh, mortuary vault. Great stuff. And the developers you know, knew their target audience. More importantly, I think I am correct that some of the uh, developers who did the original Thief and then went on to be part of Iron Storm then worked for Arcane to do the first Dishonored game, probably the second one as well. So there's an obvious linkage there. Back to Thief. So that's what I mean by gradually destroying the franchise. Um, they destroyed it in two ways. One, they made the city feel small instead of big. And two, they made the faction seem human instead of representative of higher powers. And both of those just really killed it. But the other thing is, um, even though I think it was Eric Brosius did the first, second and third soundtracks and the sounds in the third one are also up to scratch, um, it loses something by the third one. And then in the fourth one, it's just like a generic fantasy dark soundtrack. Now, I don't know how much Blades in the Dark you know, by John Harper was influenced by Thief. Certainly, an implication is it was it's heavily ripped off Dishonored. It wouldn't surprise me if John Harper is a, a Thief fan as well. Now, there is another Thief role-playing game that I'm aware of by Will Hindmarch called, I think it's Project Dark or something. And that funded in 2013 and still has not delivered. Um, from what I can see from the Kickstarter comments, it says we've had one update this year back in January. Um, uh, so it's eight years and that's a big shame really because uh, it sounds like it was a really great idea but it also sounds like it was a really great idea that I get the sense that if you have a if you have a great idea and then you kickstart it and then you realize you've got to write it that neat idea at the start suddenly drags on um, which is why I have a lot of respect for game designers like Kevin Crawford who basically says I've got the script ready to go in fact you can get a you, you back my you back my project and uh, you get instant access to the beta. Um, you know, I, I think that that is the right way to go. Um, and I think it is just creating problems for yourself if you kickstart something without having a complete idea about how it all fits together. And the sad thing is, it sounds like High March actually managed to um, you know, pull together some credible betas, assuming the um, testimonials aren't made up, of course. Yeah, big shame about that, I think. Anyway, um, that is Thief Gold, Thief the Dark Project. Um, one of the few video games where I still have my original physical copy uh, for totally impractical reasons. And that will be the featured image on this post, by the way. Right, um, I think I have waffled on for long enough, so I'm going to open the next door in the advent calendar. Oh, it's a strong box. Okay, um, I'll just get my lock picks. Aha, nice one. Okay, well, that's one objective completed. All right, speak to you later. Bye. Fictoplasm Podcast. Words by Ralph Lovegrove, music by Chris Zabriskie. Find out more at fictoplasm.net.